$2,600 for help in buying a new home. Cofield and Company NFL Insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. All right, let's do it. Five o'clock hours here. You heard it. Brought to you by Nova Home Loans and our buddy John at Nova. We'll hear from him later in the week about what's going on on the uh, real estate front. So lots going on around Vegas on the real estate front. Uh, We're going to talk a little baseball and expansion. Looky here. Looky here. Expansion is a topic. We'll get to that in a couple minutes. But uh, bring on Miles Simmons, our insider from Pro Football Talk. Miles, how you doing? I'm doing well, Steve. How are you? I'm good. I'm chill. The NBA Summer yeah. League is going on here. Um, they did remove some of the big young stars, but that's not a shocker. There is no sense in rolling Wemby out there to try to get uh, an NBA Summer League title. You know, be protective of these guys. These are not NFL running backs. It's funny. We were just talking about uh, betting the NFL some props, like who's going to win the rushing title. And uh, our guy before you came on is Sam Paniotovich. And Sam was saying there's a lot of buzz on the market. That uh, Bijan Robinson was brought in, and they're going to run him, and they're going to run him a lot. Oh, I mean, they should run him, and they yes. should run him a lot. Yes. I mean, part of it is like they, but they they have a, a situation too where they can use different guys in different situations. I mean, between him and Tyler Algier and uh, Cordell Patterson, like they've got a, a good stable of guys who can run the football. And so, I, I mean, I feel like Atlanta is one of those teams where it's like, yeah, they should be decent and they should be good, especially considering that they're in the NFC South. But also when you have a quarterback with, you know, no real experience, like it's four games and you're just kind of like, uh, I don't know. Like that to me is where it's like, ah, yeah, I think he might be good. He might not be. And I, I just, I, that's where I'm just, I can't really get very high on Atlanta. Not yet. Not yet. We'll, we'll have to see what kind of impact he has. And like you said, the quarterback questions are a really big deal. Uh, I want to get back to football in uh, inside of 10 minutes here with Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk. But we have some really important stories to talk about. Uh, before we get to the journalism side of things, um, oh you know, we actually mentioned last week, you played some high school football, you've covered football, you've watched a lot of coaches coach during games and during practice. I just want to get your reaction to, first of all, the allegations and claims that are out there around Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald when it comes to the hazing stuff. Uh, you played some football, and I know there's a certain mentality with football. I don't understand the mentality that bullying younger guys builds team camaraderie, but what do you think of what you've seen so far? I, I think the allegations are really, really, really gross, right? And I think that if any of it is true, then Pat Fitzgerald deserves to be fired, and he was, right? And, and so I think... Like, that's part of it, you know? And and it reminds me, and I sort of don't necessarily always like to do the, oh, I played high school football thing, but when you are with somebody, right, and they were, you know, one of these teams in high school, and I was a high school football player, and one of the things that we did was we had, like, the eat-off, right? That's what they called it. And so they made us stop doing that, because it was hazing and it was one of those situations where it's like that was in 2008 2009 like you can't do this anymore this is hazing you know so that's like over a decade ago right and when now you hear something like this and it's like how is this still going on and how is this going on at the college level and why are you just allowing this to go on when this 
program is not even that good. Right. It's like, well, if all these different things are coming in here, like, wh- why are we still doing this? So, like, yeah, that that it all is very bothersome and troublesome. And it's, so I think that, you know, when it's, you it's see bizarre. the result, it's like, okay, this makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. And like I said before, then I see a reaction from some coaches, some former coaches, some former players, and I just want to ask them, like, guys, how is humping a freshman team building? Right. Explain that yes. to me. Explain it because yes. I don't. I don't know that they can because it's so stupid. And again, not to mock people. Like, what what is wrong with you that you want to go and try to emasculate? So, like, what do you get out of humping someone? Is there something wrong with you? I I have no idea. And, and you know the whole thing of like, oh, they're going through the car wash, right, where everybody's naked and they're spinning around, and you've got to go through them in order to get into the shower. What the absolute what? heck is that? It's just strange. And it's unnecessary. And I don't know. I think that if you know, you're going to talk about like what a, a good program does. Like, yeah, there are different things that are part of team building and team bonding and all this. And yeah, you know, you go and like the one thing that like was almost like okay, I can almost excuse it is where they were having the shakes, you know, and like you have to drink a bunch of shakes and like everybody throws up. I'm like that's stupid and it's bad and okay. it's similar to what got banned in my high school, right? But I, that's at least not totally humiliating somebody and traumatizing somebody in a, such a sexual way that can, you know, really, really mess up your brain going forward, I feel like. So, yeah, I, this this whole thing. The, the thing that really bothers me, Steve, is that it's so Pat Fitzgerald is gone and then they're like, oh, yeah, well, the defensive coordinator can, like, take over the program. And I understand that, you know, you got to field a team and right. like, do something like that. But that entire coaching staff should be gone. I mean, the, the athletic director, arguably, should be gone. You cannot have these people who are a part of this and yeah. just you cut off the head of the snake. Like, that that's not it. Everybody's got to go because this is ridiculous and it's an institutional problem. I don't know if they've been doing it since the football season ended, but the D.C. is new. He's in from uh, North Dakota State. So, I mean, I guess you could okay, say well, it's I an outside influence, but he's been with the program. So, um the other thing on this that's disturbing, and we're, we're talking about the Miles Simmons pro football talk, and listen, the NFL had these issues uh, you know, a few years ago with, uh, with Big Richie, who eventually landed with the Raiders, and there were claims on both sides about bullying and harassment. The other one that really disturbs me is um, I, I really believe that football programs and schools, like I'm, you know, I'm proud to cover UNLV, I'm proud to have gone to Rutgers, because they both have reputations of being really inclusive and being really diverse yeah. in terms of the student body. And when you hear stories of what was going on at Northwestern, claims by African-American players and Latino players that, you know, they were getting little comments thrown at them all the time, made to feel uncomfortable. Like, again, how, how long are we going to do this? We went through this with Iowa, and Ferentz kept his job somehow. Yes. Um, it's just it's disturbing to hear that we're, that we're still in this mode of making, you know, taking little shots at people and trying to make them feel like crap. Again, how does that build character? I have no idea, Steve. I really don't. And that's the thing to me that's, it, I don't say interesting, but it's just, I guess it's so bothersome that this is going back now basically decades, right? Pat Fitzgerald has, had been with Northwestern for years and years yeah. and years and years and years. So we are hearing from some former players going back as far as like 2006, 2007 of the stuff that had been going on in this program for this long. And that's the thing where I'm like, man, I, I just, I don't understand how a, a place can be so insular, right? That even though they're mediocre, 
And like they've had what two, three good seasons under Fitzgerald in all of this time. And because of that, he's kind of kept his job. And like, oh man, he does such a good job for Northwestern, right? right. And, and we can use that excuse, and it is what it is. And Northwestern's never going to be a Big Ten powerhouse. But to have this all go on, and people have to know some of what is going on in this program, in and around that university. For them to condone it tacitly by keeping him employed for this long and then to have an investigation and then to suspend him in the offseason for two weeks, that's a that's right, less than right, a slap on the wrist. Right. That's almost a pat on the back. Right? And then finally, after some really good student journalism, you are basically forced to fire this guy. Like, mm-hmm. There's a lot of bad stuff that's going on up and down. Um, in the athletic department, I, I feel like at Northwestern. Miles Simmons with us, a real journalist, educated journalist, <laughs> so I know he appreciates I saw you tweet about it. You just mentioned the young journalist uh, who did a great job. I'm going to mention first the fact that uh, this is in Evanston, Illinois. It's not, it really isn't a small town, but it sort of is. You know, it's, it's away from Chicago, yeah. but it's the Chicago market. We've yeah. had situation after situation around college football where coaches have run roughshod like to the point of being criminals and really dangerous in a lot of cases for kids who are around a program or women who are around a program and it's mm-hmm. the same recurring theme um it seems like the regular media is almost afraid to lose access the adults the veterans so they don't go hardcore to break things down and more often than not in a lot of these cases yeah. the student journalists are the ones who break the story and it's also this one's special because I didn't go to Northwestern, but I know a lot of people who did. And they've got a great journalism program. I mean, there's a lot of pride there. And the fact that these kids did this and took that risk is pretty freaking amazing. It, it is. And you know what, man? I mean, I, I don't know that I would have had the courage to do that when I was in school. And when I was a student at the Columbia Daily Spectator and a sports editor and all that. And, you know, you, you'd like to think that you would have. I don't know. I'll, I'll never know. I'm kind of glad that I never necessarily had the chance. Um, but you know what, when you have something like this and you have the courage and, you know, the stones to take on the football program, which is by and large, the most powerful sports athletic program that is in a university, especially in the big 10, um, that's something that's pretty special. And so, you know, when you get proven right as they were. Um, I think that all, you know, university alums, and I know quite a few as well, especially being from Cleveland, you know, a lot of people go over to Chicago and in that area, um, you know, that you should take a lot of pride in that. And, and, you know, those student journalists should absolutely take a lot of pride in everything that they've done in this situation. So as those kids, as those kids bust open the story, uh, the same week, we find out that the LA Times, hey, a lot of the old school stuff, the agate, the schedule... That's going to go bye-bye. Then the New York Times mm-hmm. goes even further, and I know the Times as a company bought The Athletic. They paid over $500 million for it. I don't know what they're going to do with their sports writers proper now. They're going to use the athletic content. Um, yeah. But essentially, they're moving on from their traditional staffers in-house with the sports department. What does this mean for newspapers? Or is it just, hey, this isn't Armageddon. It's not the worst thing ever. It's just we're making shifts as we move more towards digital. I think the the LA Times thing, you know, people are acting like it's the worst thing in the world, but to me that's almost more of a nothing burger than anything else. I mean, like, look, it, 
print editions of newspapers are by and large obsolete. And when you have a deadline, which the LA <laughs> Times, uh, my understanding is, yes. is 3 p.m. in the afternoon, yeah. I mean, you're not really getting any sports stuff in there anyway. No. So, you know, it, like, I, I know people say that, oh my gosh, people rely on newspapers and that, that, that. And like, if they're really relying on newspapers in the year of our Lord 2023, like, yeah. You got to, we have to adapt and we have to adjust. And so those things are easily findable on the internet, you know? And no, I mean, I grew up in a time, basically, probably the last generation that did this, where I used to take the sports page on the bus with me to school and I would tick my mom off because she's like, I want to read the sports page. You can't just take that. And I would do it anyway. And I would look through the box scores and, you know, who got what and da 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 da. And I really enjoyed that. But that's not something that you need to do anymore you just look on your phone and you see it or you look online and you see it so that's one thing but the, the new york times i think shutting down their sports department it, it's not the biggest deal because it's not as if it's the la times doing it because the la times covers sports as we think of a newspaper right. covering sports right the new york times doesn't really do that so you're not going to not see the new york times cover the Deshaun Watson story like Jenny Vrinches did with and did a hell of a job doing it over the last year for the New York Times, right? They're still going to do that. They're still going to cover concussions. It's just going to be under the guise of news as opposed to sports of the times, right? And they have one Pulitzer's, right? They, they've done a lot of good work. Um, I think the, the bigger deal of that is that you have people who are a part of a union and what you're saying is we don't want these union workers that are part of the New York Times Guild or whatever exactly it is called. I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But instead, we are going to have these folks at The Athletic who are not union workers, and we can get rid of them whenever we want, and it's a lot easier for us to do that. And so from that perspective, that's where the shift is. But I don't think that day-to-day, -day, like if you're in New York and you want to know about the Jets or the Giants, you look to the Post or the Daily News. You don't look to the New York Times. That's, that's the way it's been for years and years and years. Miles, when do you guys start really cranking things up on the uh, PFT live side of things? It must be coming up soon, right? Yes, uh, at the end of the month. So the 27th, I believe, is the first show back on Peacock. And right now, Florio is still doing stuff daily uh, as PFT PMs because he doesn't like to take days off. So that is <laughs> his deal. And, you, like uh, you know, it's the summer. And like right All now, right. he's literally, he's supposedly on vacation, as I say that in air quotes. Uh, in Hilton Head, and he's still doing these things. And sometimes I'm like, dude, like, you know, you don't have to do that. But this it's is just, why he is who I he guess, is. He, he worked his yeah. way non traditionally. Uh, exactly. you know, and he is where he is now. Uh, this yeah. will be a story, and I think it actually it, it begins today. I've been saying during the offseason, as people do predictions, and they're talking about the NFC South and Derek Carr to the Saints. And okay, let's see how mm -hmm. that works. But the other important factor that people are not mentioning is. The Alvin Kamara stuff is still up in the air. And yeah, I think Adele is going to have to do something because the report is out today. I would expect him to do something. Uh, the report is out today on one Alvin Kamara who, you know, allegedly was involved in this pretty vicious brawl over the Cromwell on the Strip. Uh, the breaking news earlier was that Kamara agreed to plead uh, no contest, a misdemeanor charge of uh, breach of the peace for that Las Vegas nightclub beating. He will do community service and pay $100,000 to the victim for medical bills. 
Is this one that just mm -hmm. slinks away and disappears from the news cycle, or is Raj going to get word of this now, and he's like, well, there's got to be some discipline from us in the NFL. I, I think Kamara could face some discipline from the NFL. I don't think it would be like a half season or anything like that, but I, I could see a two-game suspension okay. for something like this. And that's me. Uh, I'm not reporting that. That's just right, me right. kind of educated guessing, having covered the league for almost 10 years. I, I think that that's the, the, the scale of the crime, if you will, um, would signal to me that this would be a, kind of a one to two game suspension, maybe three at most. But, you know, I think that the league probably has to do something because especially when, you know, you are basically admitting fault and admitting guilt in some ways yeah. by paying the medical bills. Right. So yeah, I think that there should be some discipline coming from it's so weird how all these stories are covered. And if a video gets out, it changes the whole narrative. And this video it really has, does. There is a video of this incident. And it just hasn't been widespread. I think if it got out and yeah. some major network showed it or you guys were blowing it up, I think people's opinions would be different. But right now, most people I don't even think know about the story. You know, a big-time running back, Pro Bowl weekend, and he and his buddies are just lighting some dude up. You know, Steve, do you think it's because it happened in Vegas? Maybe. I, I, like, and it's a person that plays in New Orleans? I mean, I don't... I don't know. I mean, if it, if it happened in New York I, I don't, or it happened Miles, out here in L.A., Webb, I don't Webb, know. It's Victor, Victor Webb and Yama just went through hell for a quick well, video of him with the tap gate. You know what I mean? That was, yeah. on, that was on video, and that got a lot of attention. So. Yeah, but that was Britney Spears, so you're getting into an entirely different yeah. market. No yeah. baby, baby. Could it be that this guy maybe, I'm not saying he did, but people are like, hey, man, don't be starting stuff at the club. And people well, aren't giving the, feeling that sympathy for the victim in this situation. Maybe. Man, I mean, that's, I mean, that's that's part of it. I mean, like you know, like because it happened in Vegas, because it was at the club, you know. But there's maybe a, they, mean, people think he effed around and found out. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think that's what the bond's getting at. But the 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 yeah, like there's a line where hey, maybe your entourage and you, you protect yourself. But it gets to a point. Where, I mean, now now you're just viciously beating a dude. Like mission was accomplished. You sent the message. You don't have to freaking break him in half. But somehow it got lost in the the shuffle. It's a weird deal. All right, Miles. Yeah. Great job, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for checking in, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, fellas. Take care. There he is, the one, the only. Miles Simmons with us here from Pro Football Talk on Cofield and Company. All right, let's do a giveaway. Three, six, four, eleven hundred. Who wants to come to the Summer League on the 16th? Four packet tickets going out right now. You can grab your tickets at unlvtickets.com. All 30 teams are participating here at the Cox Pavilion and the Thomas and Mac, and DeMond's going to hook you up with Summer League tickets. unlvtickets.com. He's going to do it right now. Caller 7, 364 now back to Cofield and Company, live from NBA Summer League. Summer League. Summer League. Summer League. So we got so much going on around Las Vegas. Uh, Ace is playing tonight. You can hear the game right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Pre-game is going to be 6:30. We got the Summer League. We just got done with a big fight weekend. Football is like two weeks away with training camp coming up. Uh, Demond, I never, I never imagined. While I was watching the sphere get built, and I, you know, I heard about the concept, and I'm like, oh, this seems pretty cool. The amount of buzz around the world with this sphere now that it's lit up, uh, it's mind-boggling. Every night I get on social media, and I'm like, people are going nuts over this thing. They are, but I'm going to be honest, I still haven't seen it. So I want to see what all the hype I is. know. <laughs> I actually haven't seen it out. 
because I don't I don't live high enough in the hills. I I always joke that I'm in East Summerlin. I'm always like a couple of blocks from Summerlin, uh, not destitute, but um, I don't live high enough that I can see it. I haven't been down around the strip at night, which is kind of crazy because it's been up for like two weeks. Um, and here's the other one: that that zone now that snakes passed, you know, behind Palazzo mm-hmm. and snakes passed. The sphere is probably the number one road I drive. One of the number one roads I drive all year during the football and basketball season. I don't think I'm ever going to go that way. So I don't think I'm ever going to. I'm I'm probably not going to see it up close until well after F1. It's crazy, but it is. I cannot believe what a hit it is around the country. It's like it may be the most famous thing we have here. Like, you know, in the past, it was some different hotels and then places like New York, New York, and the image of the Luxor, the Excalibur. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. We're going to talk to Kevin Kruger here inside of five minutes. Let's do a qualifier, uh, Damon, uh, for our Lotus Summer of Fun. Here's what we're doing here. 364-1100, caller 7, 364-1100. You call in, you qualify to win four tickets to an Aviators game, but you're in for the grand prize. We're doing a trip every week. The weekly grand prize this week is a five-day houseboat rental on Lake Powell, plus you get a $1,000 gift card for gas and food, or you can just take the cash straight out, $3,000. It's take the trip or take the cash. The Lotus Summer of Fun right now qualifier caller 7 with Demond 364-1100. Now back to Cofield & Company, live from NBA Summer League. Summer League. Summer League. All right, so we're wrapping it up here at the Summer League, and uh, there's luminaries all over the place. Is, uh, is that Nate Oates who just walked over? Did, did I pick that one up correctly, you or is that, or is that a did. poor, poor ID? No. By the way, if you want to pull Spot that, on. that mic out. Every once in a while, I, I still have it. Uh, Kevin Kruger's here with us. I'm speaking to him casually um, as we come on the air. First of all, appreciate a couple minutes. Of course. So what's this like for you? I know, uh, you know, I can't remember things, so I was looking up today a search. It was a Kevin Kruger Summer League. You played in Orlando, right? I did. I, I played in Orlando for a couple in Salt Lake. I never, I think, I want to say Vegas's first year. It was still kind of in its infancy, and it wasn't, it certainly wasn't what it is now. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't kind of the cool thing to do. And so, uh, yeah, I actually somehow, through my multiple summer leagues, avoided Vegas. <laughs> How close do you think you were? Like, do you look back on your playing career and you're like, man, if I did this or, you know, this had worked out. Like, how close yeah. you were to, you know, to, to like making it a couple of years in the league? Oh, I mean, all the time. I mean, not in like a woe is me sitting in a, you know, in the rain crying or anything. But, uh, yeah, you know, you wonder about, you know, this, you know, if I, you handle this differently, or if you do a little better here or, you know, what. You know, just uh, because I, I had opportunities, I just uh, you know wasn't able to get over the hump. And uh, but yeah, you always look back and like, well, I wonder if that if that guy wouldn't have gotten hurt, they would then they wouldn't have taken that guy. Maybe I could have you know had a chance there. But uh, I think uh, you know when you go through it, you just understand and appreciate how hard it is to make it into the NBA and to not only make it but then stay in the NBA. That's incredible, it's, especially now that the international pool is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, it's I mean, tough. It's truly a global game. I mean, we we kind of always said it, but it was always kind of like, yeah, it's America, and then maybe a handful of countries that are, are producing legit NBA guys. But now, it, I mean, it is truly uh, just growing, in, which makes the uh, you know those available spots even less. What do you think it's like now as the game seems to be 
shifting for the guys who used to be the glamour guys. Like I think it's incredible that Zach Eady is as dominant as, as he is in college. He's the player of the year, and then he goes to get ready for the draft, and all of a sudden he's looking around. And he's like, I, "There's not a place for me." Or you know, I watched, got to watch Drew Timmy up close here when they were in town for West Coast all those years, and. And uh, the NCAA tournament, I'm like, this guy's a really good player. And no, those guys are kind of looked upon like, hey, sorry, guys, you got to work your way into the league. The the big guys, it's different now. It is. It's, it's a much more spread out game as well. Um, you know, you'll see a lot more switching. You'll see a lot more versatility. Um, a lot more like-sized people out there just kind of across the board. You don't see a lot of teams with a back-to-the-basket center. You don't see a lot of teams with a really small point guard unless they do something exceptionally well. Of course, better than the rest, but... You know, you watch a lot of games, even watching the end of the Oklahoma City and, and Houston game. you got a lot of like-sized guys out there that can handle, you know, dribble pass and shoot it. And I think, um, you know, even from the coaching aspect, when you when you look out there and you got five guys that can dribble pass and shoot and you got five guys that can guard multiple positions, you're, you're probably feeling pretty good about, you know, your chances of getting good possessions. And I, and I think that's kind of just the way the game has gone. We're at the Summer League here at the Thomas & Mac, and this is the home of UNLV, the Running Rebels, and head coach Kevin Kruger is here with us. We talked about your playing days. Where did you get to play internationally? Uh, I got to play in Italy, played a little in China, uh, Belgium, um, Germany. So I, I got to get, get to a few opportunities overseas. So when you were getting exposed to all that, mm-hmm. did you see some of this coming, kind of like the FIBA ball, the Euro ball, you know, uh, maybe one in, stretch elements, the bigs have to be skilled? Did you like? Did you start to look, think ahead and go, man, th- like this is going to change the game in the U.S.? Well, I think the, the, the biggest things that, that stuck was just how young the, their basketball programs are, uh, how they're just inundated with, uh, you know, passing, cutting, skill development, uh, you know, and even uh, being able to work with the U19s team uh, that just went over to Hungary, it, you know, talking to a couple of the coaches when they came back, uh, you know, they talked about, the, you know, these countries, they've caught up athletically. Because that was kind of always the thing is, you know, they might be a skilled four or a skilled five and he's seven feet tall, but at the end of the day, he cannot keep up with the American guys. You know, they're just bigger, faster, stronger, and no matter what he does well, it's going to be overwhelmed by the uh, the athleticism of the American's roster. And I think now that that, one, that was one of the first comments by one of the coaches was, hey, those the, the 19-year-olds over there, the 19U team, they, they've caught up athletically. And uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you didn't, there's just so much more i think with the the amount of money that's in the game the popularity of the game it's just going to become even get or get even more cutthroat getting into the nba those spots are just going to be harder to get and college basketball is fascinating with the evolution because there are i think there are still some conferences that uh, a lot of the schools are insistent hey we, we're going to play the four or five we're going to play the power basketball i thought the mountain west was one of the first on board where you saw i'll go back to the you know the the years where uh, the year that Brandon McCoy was here, right? And Brandon's a nice kid, and, man, he came in, and this, people started making adjustments. He was a dominant player, right? You take out Arizona at the time. Um, dominant guy. And all of a sudden, middle of the season, there's everyone in the league is stretching him and making him go defend on the perimeter. I'm like, wait a second. What's happening here? This this league is changing, and you're seeing across the country the the one in, four out, or five out. Yeah. yeah. It's taking off. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and, you know, the first thing that comes to mind when you say that is Boise. You know, when, with Dagan Hart out there last year at the 4-5, Najee Smith was out there at the 4-5. You know, you've got to be a, just always aware of where they're at. And then that gives the guards more angles to drive and make plays. And uh, But, yeah, I think uh, the Mountain West is definitely one of the first conferences, uh, along with a couple others, where they kind of, you know, the big 
you know, 6'10", 250s, they usually go to the bigger name schools, especially, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Uh, so the Mountain West was one of the first to adapt, where you started seeing a lot more of the fives that were a little more on the skilled side versus the size side, and uh, and, it, and had a lot of success with it. And, but, yeah, you know, you watch the NCAA tournament. I mean, you watch a team like Arkansas. You know, they, they like to play five guys that can dribble, pass, and shoot, and they're all pretty similar sized, and they uh, they win a lot of games doing it that way. So there were a couple times last year when you and I were talking, and I would mention, hey, there's some rebounding issues, right? And, hey, do you go super big? And you were steadfast on rebounding is not about size. And if you go, you know, positionless basketball, you have enough size, you can rebound without having, you know, 6'10 or 6'11 out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, I'm a firm believer in that. It's a, it's always nice to have a 7-footer shot blocker out there, and, and, we, you know, you love to have it, but... You know, if, if you if you watch the the leading rebounders, they're just not always the biggest ones. It's the guys that go and get it, and you know that's a, that's one of the things I think we'll be able to do this year. When you talk about having, uh, you know, Jalen Hill, you know, is a great rebounder, only about six six. You know, Lou Rodriguez is a great rebounder, about six six. You know, Shane Noel gets in there and muddies it up. So it's not the you know while, you know, Caleb Boone and Carl Jones and Isaiah Cottrell are all about six ten. Uh, yeah, it's, it, they're closer to the rim, and it's easier for them to get, but that doesn't always mean it, it's the way it is. And uh, But, it, you know, it's just about wanting to go get it. And But one of the things also we did last year was we were we were heavy on a switching team. You know, we switched everything, and, and sometimes that got kind of brought our bigger guys away from the hoop, which uh, I think more so than anything that uh, kind of is where we struggled rebounding the ball versus just being taller. So defensively you feel like you've built the roster that you, you really want. I, I do. I think we've because I think what it does is it gives us the option if we want to switch five, we can. When you talk about uh, Isaiah Cottrell, you talk about uh, Rob Whaley who came in from CSI, uh, you know Caleb Boone from Oklahoma State. These are athletic big guys, and uh, and but what we've just got to hammer home when on the possessions we decide to do that is we we got to go rebound it. But you know Jalen Hill's an elite defender. Lou Rodriguez is an elite defender. So. I think this year's team will just have a lot of flexibility. You might see a switch, you might see us trap, you might see us play a straight up, more traditional style, but uh, I think that'll be one of our advantages. Kevin Krugers, right here with us, Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas at the set, the NBA Summer League at the Thomas and Mack. So I want to get some information out there for folks who don't know all these players. Maybe they didn't watch all these other conferences. What'd you like about the Boone Twins? Well, Boone Twins, I just like, I mean, watching them play against Oklahoma, I never, uh, I, I never coached against them, but I watched them in high school and. Just watching them uh, against my dad's team at OU, and then even talking to my dad after their games against them, it's it's a unique situation. They're twins, but one plays in the post and one plays in the perimeter. They're the same height, they're about the same weight. Uh, one is just incredible touch around the basket, and one shoots it as well as anybody that uh, is returning in our conference. So, uh, in their experience, of course, you know, anytime you have that that level of experience, over a hundred hundred plus games under their belt. Um, they can bring that experience and that maturity to the locker room and the, and the court. It's a very unique deal on a lot of fronts with Jalen Hill. So, you know, back in the day, Marvin Menzies, they wanted him badly. He goes to Oklahoma, obviously. You were very much involved in that. So you have a long relationship with him. Um, what kind of guy is he from a leadership standpoint and a skill standpoint? And also, what does it mean for you to, you know, you got DJ Thomas who we can talk about, but, you know, more of that Vegas flair, like the big, the biggest players, and maybe at some point, if you don't get them right away, maybe they come back as a transfer. How big a deal is that? Well, I think, you know, Vegas has always been somebody, somewhere that has always been talked about the level of talent in the city and, and who plays, you know, and keeping them home. And I think Jalen deciding to be a, a rebel 
was a huge step forward in that. And and I mean that no disrespect to Isaiah Cottrell who's here, but you know he's not a born and raised, uh, you know, throughout high school through his entire uh, career up to college in Vegas. So there's a little bit of a difference there. But we were excited to get bring Isaiah back, of course, with the Gorman ties. But uh, you know having Jalen decide, say you know showing the, the the local high school groups, the families. You know that I want to be at UNLV. I want to be home. I grew up there. It was great to me. It was great to my family, and and I trust this coaching staff, this this fan base, this program, that uh, that it's the right place for me to be. And I think, you know, as you say with DJ Thomas, I, I, I mean, I, I don't I don't know if it was the sole reason he came, but I, I don't think there's any way that Dedon's family would tell you if he didn't have anything to do with it. You know, seeing a local kid decide to, you know, put his uh, his last year of college basketball back home at UNLV. I think DJ has been pretty cool up on uh, social media. I don't know if you tell him to do that; he just does it on his own. But I, you know, I kind of love building the kind of the teamwork, the camaraderie. You know, you get some 20, 24 commits, and he's welcoming them in. That's cool. Oh, absolutely. But you know, it, it all comes down to the ownership of it, and and that's what DJ's done. You know, even before playing a game here, and, and some similarities to Jalen too. He, you know, he decided I want to I want to be at UNLV. I'm from here. I want to you know, play for the school my dad played for. I want to, you know, be up in the in the rafters someday and point to the, you know, banner with my team on it. And when you take that level of ownership, it, it just means more. The workouts mean more. The games mean more. And it's uh, something that you can't really explain until you, you're kind of in that situation. But it's great to see. You know, he, he, he he's out there talking to kids about coming to UNLV. It's It, it just means a lot for him to, to, to help get guys to, to come here over the next couple of years uh, when he's part of the team. It's a weird question for a college basketball coach because the answer has to be yes in some form or fashion. Do you like recruiting? Because I've talked to you before about, man, what you guys do is incredible. And it's the same, you know, same thing you know, with all the big money in college football to, to kind of follow kids around from the time they're you know, 13 or 14 mm-hmm. or maybe you get on them when they're 15 and 16. And then, I mean, a lot of your career is riding on a decision by a 17, 18, 19-year-old. And, I, I, I mean, I'm, you know. I'm unsteady. I would flip out, uh, but you got to keep it together too because you know the relationships go on. There's connections below them. It, it's a it's a crazy deal what you guys have to do. It, it's it's definitely unique. Um, yeah, I mean I enjoy it. You know you get to talk to families. You get to go see, go to places, see how things are done, and uh, it, you know get to talk to different people about you know how things are, their lives, and and, and their experiences. But it's it's odd because my wife and I were talking about this maybe even a month ago. You know we. And, you know, using a story even recently, recruiting a kid for X number of years, not, you know, not days or months, but years. And if they decide to go somewhere else, the the communication on our end stops immediately. You know, when a kid says he wants to go somewhere else, you know, we we, I, we stop immediately. And it's it's weird. Is that, wait, is that by rule or that no, your approach? No, it's just because I would think some others would be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, Keep me in mind. Well, when they sign, it's, <laughs> right. a, it's against a rule. But yeah, even yeah. we... we I want to respect their, if they're going to go somewhere else, they've made their decision. Yeah. You know, it's not a trying to pull them a different direction. But uh, yeah, so all of a sudden you just you just stop, and it, and that's a that's a little uh, different. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of situations in life where you just kind of stop halt communication. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's a it's kind of a numbers game. You you recruit X number of kids. We uh, we don't recruit, especially with the portal now. You know, we don't have a, a huge list of people. To where, well, if we don't get player A, we got to go go to B. Don't get B, you don't, you got to go to C. Um, we we just try to put our time and attention and focus on the ones that we think will help build the best roster. Right, which gets forgotten all the time. But the best roster, like right now, that we're trying to build for the 24-25 team, 
and how those guys fit into there. And, and the way we see it is if we're going after somebody and, and they decide to go to a different school, chances are we'll just uh, put that position in the portal. Kevin Kruger's with us. Folks, start thinking about basketball, UNLVTickets.com, because the more I go over this roster, I'm like, my God. I saw Rob Whaley walk by, right? And I'm really excited to see him play, you know, you know, powerhouse guy and just explosive. And I know you had told me when you got him, I mean, you know, good player, good player. He's going to have to fight. That's how, yeah. that's how deep the roster is. Um, he's going to have to fight a lot. Okay, I'm going to set up a question here by just making a radio comparison. So in radio, we've got a little crew here. I've got co-hosts. They rotate, right? Um, I've also got a producer. Demond's our producer. Demond's actually relatively new to the show, right? Um, so now we're, we're kind of we're working. i got to rely on Demond for certain things. What the hell was it like for you last summer as all of a sudden assistant is gone, assistant is gone, and then one more assistant goes in what, June? August. August. Al- almost August. August. Yeah. I mean, you rely on those guys for a lot in season, but I'm sure a lot during the offseason. And all of a sudden, you're trying to do the recruiting game, set up the season, and then interview new guys to come in. I mean, and those are very you know tight relationships. They were. You know, uh, Carlin Hartman was somebody I grew incredibly close with while I was at Oklahoma. Brandon Chappelle was in my wedding. You know, we've been be- as close as can be since the day we met, you know, almost 12 years ago. And then Coach Buckley, I worked with him here. But, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, – I think my uh, – how naive I was to the college coaching – that head coaching spot you know I didn't put as much weight in it and I don't know if I would I would have done differently at this point but just I, at the time I was just like yeah okay well you know we'll we'll dust ourselves off figure somebody will come in that wants to be here and be fine and and I think we have but at the same time there's there's still that learning process that goes on when you're when you're in the office with someone and uh, you know we didn't have anybody on our team last year that had been recruited by anybody on the staff and I think that's where it it, at times it could have it created a little bit of you know, hesitance or hesitancy just you know there, there's no relationship that had been formed throughout the recruiting process right. so that's why we're really excited to have all three coaches come back we've got our, uh, the two new on-court spots that the NCAA approved both uh, we uh, elevated guys in-house so it's a bunch of familiar faces to the guys they've all spent a year with everybody here the new guys have all recruited by coaches that are here now so uh, I think uh that'll be one of those things that you may not be able to say we won that game because of this or we lost that game because we didn't have that but i think it's one of those things that at the end of the year i'm going to look back and say that it was really great to have those guys for at least two years by the way who's the last kid that you just grabbed in the last two weeks as a big uh, to complete the class yeah jacob and arby coming uh yeah he was at don to prep for a little bit you know kanye's school okay. in la and then uh but uh you know basketball guy big physical strong uh loves to play uh played with the oakland soldiers eybl team um, so he actually knew DJ from their time together uh, on the Oakland Soldiers. So uh, really excited to have him join. And, again, it just it adds to our size. It adds to our strength. And, uh, and that's one of the things I really like about this group. I think we're going to be able to be incredibly physical and, uh, and just be able to you know, play a lot stronger uh, offensively and defensively. I don't know how much of the schedule you can talk about on the non-con because I don't know what's official official but it looks like you've lined up a pretty aggressive schedule and actually going to test the guys on the road. Well, absolutely. You know, the, the, of course, we got the game at Dayton, you know, where we uh, – so we have to return that one. That's no secret. Um, we've got – yeah, and I'm not even sure what's been officially right. <laughs> signed at this point. I know. But I, I, I think this is a schedule that uh, the UNLV fan base will be incredibly proud of. Um, we did our best and, and had a very good non-conference schedule last season. Um, because, again, you know, you and I have talked about it off the show uh, before. Uh, you know, we don't look at the names. You know, we look at the, at the, you know, where the number, you know, it's all about, you know, the analytics of it now. 
you know, where does the team finish? Where do you think they're going to finish? Well, you know, where where are you playing them? I mean, all those things go into into effect, and that's why I thought we did. You know, Deshaun and Will Saxon did an unbelievable job last year of putting us in a great spot at the start of conference season. And uh, yeah, but this uh, this uh, the fall schedule is really going to challenge our guys. You know, we got some really good ones on the road. We got a couple of excellent neutral games. Um, some here, some. Yeah, one in Phoenix, one in uh, Daytona Beach, so or a couple in Daytona Beach. So I think uh, the, the the fan base will really enjoy our non-conference schedule. I'm fired up. I could do another 20 minutes, but I'm up against it, and I know you got stuff to do because I'm I'm already prepped to start looking ahead and and breaking down games. And I'll tell you what, I think you guys are going to be one of the favorites in the conference. Um, Boise's going to be pretty nasty. Boise's going to be really well, he's good. Got, he's got it humming now in terms of what he's building he and the guys he's bringing in. Well, they know each other. Yep. You know, And there's there's a lot to be said for that. They're, they're comfortable around each other. They, they're, they're secure. We use that word in our program a lot, be secure. You mess up, be secure. To have, you know, have the security in your confidence that you're going to go you know, make a good play. And, uh, you know, and that's what I think when you talk about Boise, that's the first word that comes to my mind. They're confident, but they're also they're secure in what they do. And then, of course, there's that one team in San Diego that's been pretty good for a while as well. So, for folks who are uh, Jones and for basketball, we're going to have uh, Coach Demile on at the end of the week. So we'll get into. Uh, he's a great guy to talk to as well. He's a really good conversation. Uh, thank you so much for your time. No, Appreciate you. it. UNLVTickets.com. We're going to take a break. We'll go into the grab bag to close things out. Cofield and Company presents. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. My Lord, I am the worst. I don't even know why I do this anymore. God. Damon, help me, dude. My memory sometimes. What a nightmare. We just broke down UNLV basketball in the offseason, and we're doing all this hardcore stuff. The second the interview ends... I don't see. I don't think you know this about me, Demon. I I get uh, I get very remorseful after shows throughout the evening because stuff hits me from the show, and I'll be at home with the SO, the significant other, and I'll um, the other weird thing that's happened to me, and my father never said this. My father was like kind of a, he, it was like a noisy guy, but it was like a lot of belches, and he'd just be like, oh boy, like out of nowhere, you'd be like, what, what the hell's going on, um, like involuntary sounds. My big thing now is I just. Throughout the evening, I will, and I apologize for, you know, to church-going people, I won't say it, but I say gee damn it all the time because something will hit me, and I'm like, ah, I forgot to do that on the air. I teased this, and I didn't deliver. Um, you know what? I'm not going to say what I should have mentioned to Kevin Kruger, but there was a story that should have been told that I didn't get from him, and now other people are going to get it. God, that's disappointing. Is it the uh, guest that they had playing basketball there? Yes, it is. Yep. Uh, so... I lost my opportunity. Someone else is going to jump on that because it's a good story. Um, yeah, it was Pete Davidson. So I guess off the record, on the record, I was, I was told that uh, there was some respect for his game. It's about, it's about as far as I'll go, some respect for his game. But the way the thing came together, I'll let them tell the story to someone, was pretty cool. And those are, those are really big deals for uh, you know, universities, college basketball, college football programs, and especially a place like Vegas, where we already have this image of like, hey, everything needs to be here. We're freaking cool. And for UNLV basketball to be connected to a guy like that, or all the times you see all these different, you know, major basketball stars just dropping in and playing at the Mendenhall, it's a great tie-in for UNLV. So if you didn't hear the conversation, we'll podcast it audio-wise. <laughs> God willing, we'll post it up on uh, 
on video on YouTube and also all the uh, accounts that we have with Twitter and Facebook. Good job today, Damon. Very good job serving as the number two for much of the show. I appreciate it. We're going to be in studio tomorrow. And thanks again to the Thomas and Mac for hosting the show today. UNLVTickets.com is where you want to grab your NBA Summer League tickets. The uh, action here goes all the way through the 17th. All right. On the way, we've got Aces basketball tip at 7 o'clock, pregame at 6.30. So stick around for that. James, very good job on site here. An excellent job by uh, Willie, who was over at Mick Ultra Arena, giving us the uh, Aces side of things. That'll do it. We'll see you.